American Timelines is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. So now I'm obsessed with time. Come on, tell me about the time. Had it all in my head tonight. Had the time of my life when the words all come down like blues on Tuesday. Welcome to another episode of American, American Timelines. Timelines. I'm Amy and that's Joe. And we are History for Jerks. And welcome to a new season, season five. Oh my God! We're jumping into the fifties on American timelines. Yeah, and we we promised you we would switch things up. That's right. We're gonna add a new wrinkle. Not <laughs> not a penis wrinkle, but we're gonna add two wrinkles. Actually, this episode we have guests. Yes, we've lined up a guest, and not against their will, they are here willingly. That's right. Yes. Please welcome our first guest, well, not our first guest. We've had guests randomly, sporadically, but our first, no offense to the previous guest, but our first guest that matter, uh, please welcome from the vi- music video podcast, Ryan and Chris. Hello. Hi. Hey, guys. Hi, guys. Thanks for being Thanks here. Thanks for having us. I, I love that you made a promise. You promised you would make changes. i pretty much promise that every episode i promise it'll get good soon it'll stop being terrible we'll get better (laughs) uh we needed changes we need a little spice and you guys are the spice uh for this episode we'll see if you guys can spice it up so uh these guys are zooming in from chicago so if the audio is bad blame them (laughs) uh uh, do you got can you guys want to give us a quick overview of your podcast what sure What's the deal? Yeah, with it? we're uh, it's the music video podcast. <laughs> we didn't know what else to call it. It is pretty much what it's. It's actually what it it's is, a podcast yeah. about uh, biology. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're sort of going through the like the history of music videos through like genres and artists and cliches and you know tacking it from all sides. Oh. I would say Love weekly, it. but yes, and, and, uh, semi regularly. Yeah, yeah, it's hard now, especially there's a pandemic. But Chris and Ryan are both improv performers. That that is right? allegedly true. Act, yeah. act, would you say <laughs> actors also? Or, wow, <laughs> I, would say, I would not call myself an actor. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, writers, 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 improvisers. Comedy writers. Yeah. We have an improv show uh, Wednesday, actually, this coming Wednesday. When this is coming yeah. Wednesday? Will so that, that? no, it won't. Th- it won't be the Wednesday of anybody I, listening to this. <laughs> I, I might. I think it'll be out this Wednesday. Wow. So, so it's what tonight. time? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> tonight. Uh, yeah. I usually get them out like late Tuesday, early yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. I think I can unless uh, there's a unforeseen circumstance. So, no rush. The, so the date you're. you're <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, a November 11th Veterans Day. You have a show. I, don't quote me. We have one coming up sometime. It may be. <laughs> yeah, it's sure. being recorded. <laughs> yeah, I'm just realizing we maybe can't plug this with definitive. Yeah, I think it's being recorded with okay. definition. I'm sorry. Can you tell us what what improv group to watch out for on the interwebs? Um, I it's for, through a, a company called Logan Square Improv. They have a theater here in town, and they are filming what, what they are planning to do. If I understand correctly, is they are doing like variety show style. So they are filming improv groups and teams doing like extra long oh. sets and then they are cutting their scenes into shows that include other people and releasing them one oh, at cool. a time. 
Oh, that's cool. And are they going to be on their website? Logan's probably they probably have like a Twitch channel or a YouTube or a. I don't know, man. I don't know what. I gotta get with I the know. times. Do you know what a Twitch is? No, I don't know what a Twitch is. I thought is. a Twitch and a Switch were the same thing. I'm just no, finding out. You're not talking about a Nintendo. No, a Twitch thing. is like it's a, a streaming channel where I can watch you playing video games, and I see I see you yes, that, and oh, your yeah. video screen, your your monitor at the same time, so I can watch what okay, you're doing. So, and then people also do those so, now with like music and comedy. Oh, but it's not. It's not music and comedy while you're watching somebody play a game. No, I like, think not a like, funny person. Can do it, yeah. Because <laughs> I'll watch my like my son. My son watches these videos, and it'll be a guy talking about a story that has nothing to do with the game. Like he's killing people on Call mm-hmm. of Duty, and then he's talking about his the pizza guy that came over and embarrassed his mom yeah. or whatever. And he's telling the story. I'm like, what does the video have to do with the audio? It's like yeah. nothing. They have nothing to do. With we have time. a. Why are you watching? Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. We have it. a friend who has a, twi- a Twitch stream. Um, and she has like 3,000 followers and started selling merch. She sells t-shirts oh my God. for her channel and herself now. And people Yeah, that's what we, that's what the new world is. We just we all just will sell mm-hmm. ourselves and our, yeah. our lives and our personal our personal. Like anyway, how, that's enough about that. I like that. how you th- oh, you were saying that? that off mic, but you turned to me even closer to the mic to tell me who it was you were talking about. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's Ryan. Chris was the one who said that last thing, and Ryan I'm was the Chris. other one. Like, I'm, which, I'm Chris. If, if you can't tell by voice, Ryan has a better podcast voice than I do, and I'm just here uh, trying my best. <laughs> uh, excellent. Um, who is your favorite 1950s uh, uh, vice president? That is a gotcha no, question. I'm just kidding. They just told me not to ask him a gotcha question. Yeah, I, I don't yes. know. There were no vice presidents in the 1950s. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice try. They didn't even happen. <laughs> ah, boom. Yes. yes. Okay. So before, without further ado, we're going to just jump in. And guys, feel free to just pipe in whenever. Like you're never rudely interrupting. You're never, you know, whatever you want to say, whenever you want to say it, it's completely fine. Um, not, nobody gets upset here uh, except Amy and I maybe at each other. Um, and so I'm going to, we, we're just going to start off with 1950. We're starting in January and I usually start off the new years with some things that, uh, are just random things about the year that don't really fit into a date. So I just kind of, whoa, what was that? Is that our train? What is that noise? Are you hearing the train? Oh, you oh, got a train. Geez. <laughs> you guys like I'm a train. so sorry. Great. Holy crap. That, no, we that's live great. under the CTA Brown line. Wait, can you hear that? Uh, oh my so god! We are really? Also, hearing oh, what so sounds hearing like a squirrel, a chirping, a chattering, <laughs> and we don't know what it is. That's why we were looking around. Oh, the room. that's great. See, I don't hear that, but that's—I heard the train go by, and that's cool because you know when you hear our podcast, you'll hear the air conditioning because it's like eighty degrees here in November. Yeah. And, and I don't Charlotte, think you'll be able North to hear Carolina. it on the right. mic. Yeah, you may just hear it from the, our the, Zoom you, in the room. You might just be hearing it right now because of Zooms. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. true. You're right. So anyway, hopefully, hopefully I don't have to cut this out. Anyway, as I was saying, there's some things for Jan- from 1950 that don't really fit in the year that just I'm going to tell you about that happened in 1950. Okay. Okay. We do this every year. Okay. Um, Marion Donovan uh, invented disposable diapers. Thank wow. God. Oh, my God. I did not know disposable diapers were around in 1950. I bet they weren't that great. 
Oh, I bet no. Because they still <laughs> have, have safety pins, probably, right? Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah and disposable. They're probably just cloth that everybody's threw mm-hmm. away. Cheap yeah. cloth or something. Minute rice appeared on the shelves for the first time. All right. Minute rice. It'll calculate how many minutes that saved. <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> uh, here's some crazy things. 7-Up originally contained lithium citrate, a mood-stabilizing drug. It was in the product until 1950. They stopped putting that in 7-Up. Darn. I would love 7-Up yeah, if it I would made love me all happy. of the drugged-out versions of sodas. When I was a little kid up vomiting in the night, a seven up with like extra mood stabilizers would have been like just what I, the doctor asked yeah, for. Xanax seven up. <laughs> yeah. For a sick kid. Put it in saltines. Genius. You were born in the wrong era. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because, Coke used to have uh, Coke. Also. Yeah. You know what else you could get? There was a toy lab set in 1950 called the Gilbert U 238 Atomic Energy Lab. Uh, Atomic oh Energy God. Laboratory. It contained uranium ore, oh my pol- God. polonium, a Geiger counter, and a cloud chamber oh for, my. for children. <laughs> <laughs> That's real. We watched a YouTube video about a chemistry set that like was sold to kids, but it was literally just a bomb. Like it was like it may have been this. <laughs> it was literally just like you just I like think it's... you like add little powders together and then it blows up. But like if you add too much of them, it yeah. really blows up. Like it blew up like people. Right. It, yeah bodies and homes i I think that's what this might have been so there's a youtube commercial you saw a commercial about it uh yeah we saw well it was like a like a expose like it was like a a real like okay um dateline type of a a show yeah this might have been this might have been it um and then so now we're in the crazy health things um uh kent was a major tobacco company in 1950. Sure. It sold unique cigarette filters in the 50s and advertised their health benefits. The advertised ingredient that set them apart, asbestos. Yeah, I've heard that. You've heard that? That asbestos is in filters, yeah. And that they advertise it as a special ingredient. Now, is that the first time they had filtered cigarettes, or is it just a different kind of filter? Or was it just a filter that you, you bought on its own to put in your cigarettes? Yeah, they had uh, a unique... Yeah, filter. I think it's filters. Like you mm-hmm. had a filter, you probably put your cigarette in the filter. They probably weren't attached. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I would say. I didn't do I that much know. research on that. Okay. I apologize. Mm. Well, you failed. I failed. I'm a terrible person. Um, did you know, speaking of cigarettes, did you know that the type AB personality theory was actually invented by the cigarette industry in the 50s? To like advertise really? it? To, yeah, well, to prove that coronary heart disease and cancer were risks related to that to a high stress personality instead of tobacco. Oh, oh my oh. god. So I wonder if it's if it's real or if that's like junk science, AB personality stuff. I think it's generally de- kind of debunked. Really? Like most of it's debunked. I think we all know there's people that are Yeah, more wound just, up than others. Yeah, wound up and yeah, I think mm-hmm. I don't know if it's your personality. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know anything about this. I didn't really look into this. I'm just guessing what. I, I mean, there's assholes, yeah. right? Mhm. Yeah. Not that everybody who's a part type A is an asshole necessarily. And also I've known some like lovely smokers. <laughs> <laughs> I know some lovely smokers now. Um the I love the train. Okay, the first metal lunchbox uh was produced by Aladdin in nineteen fifty. Uh that was a company. Yeah, do anybody want to take a quick guess at what character was on the first oh. metal lunchbox in nineteen fifty? Was it a character for children? 
Yes. Okay. Well, who else would what? it be? Wait a minute. I don't know. <laughs> a character. I just realized. I, I, yeah. I said yes immediately. It's a I don't know. For children, I, I might, it might not be. be no, because sometimes children's lunchboxes would have like movie cowboys and stuff on it, like things that yeah, would, but yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. For seem children. to be for children. Like if it was no, John yeah, Wayne no, you're or right. something. Yes, you're right. You're actually. I think you're right. I don't think this was for children. I think I was getting this person mixed up with that children's character. <laughs> oh man. So I think Ryan's more onto it, like a uh, movie cowboy type of guy. I don't think it's for children. Because I would have guessed but maybe Howdy Doody. Yeah, Howdy Doody is who I was. Gonna, Howdy Doody <laughs> seems too late for 1950. Yeah, maybe so. Nobody had. Yeah. Yeah, this is embarrassingly who I was picturing with this name. Oh no! But it's not Howdy Doody. It's not even a. It's more of a John Wayne cowboy guy. I don't know. Is there like a? Is there somebody who played Daniel Boone? I feel like I picture little boys <laughs> then with coonskin caps. Yeah, yeah. I think it's along that lines. I can't. I know I looked this guy up. Well, what's it? Who is it? Hopalong Cassidy. Oh, I've never heard those words Isn't in that, that a combination c- before. <laughs> Hopalong Cassidy. Isn't that like a? <laughs> you never heard those words. Oh, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Like I think he's a cowboy. Like it's he's got a, he a is, John yeah. Wayne or something. It sounds yeah. a lot. Yeah. So Ryan was a Western figure. Oh, yeah, it's real close to like get yeah. along, little doggy. Yeah. Yeah. And then I I don't know why I was thinking howdy doody like it's like all stupid yeah. sounding mm-hmm. I don't know. Um. Did you know that after the Empire State Building opened in New York City in 1931, much of its office space went unrented? It was nicknamed the Empty State Building uh, because it didn't become profitable until 1950. Okay. That's, I was wondering where the 1950 was going to fall into this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was like, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I kept that in there. Sometimes I keep things. No, that's in great. Like, oh, I'm, I, I, I like a business to succeed. <laughs> Does <So I'm- laughs> was uh, King Kong is on the Empire State Building, right? Yeah, I would have thought that would have yeah, rented like every floor. I would have thought people would have been like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna be in the King Kong Building. I, I'm gonna yeah, wonder some what- of the New Yorkers out there, but I always confuse the Empire State Building and the Chrysler Building. I know that they're different, oh. but in my mind, the picture of them yeah. are the same. Yeah. Well, you just lost all your New I York know. listeners. <laughs> well, yeah, oh, I man, lost them man. long ago. <laughs> 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 um, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Coronavirus. Um, uh, did you guys know that hurricanes in America were not named until 1950? Okay. That year, there was Hurricane Dog. Hurricane Easy, Hurricane Jig, Hurricane Item, Hurricane Love, and <laughs> and Tropical Storm How. I like Hurricane Item. Like that's they're like, really that's like they have been naming them forever and had run yeah, out of names already. They just ran out of names. I know. Yeah. Item. Yeah. Object. <laughs> item. I like Tropical Storm and How. Yeah. It's called How. What is the is it uh, the worse they are the dark the further into the alphabet it is? Like the stronger the storm, the later the letter. I thought they just went through them sequentially. I thought they just like did one. Yeah, they. Na- yeah, okay. Chris is right. Now they go alphabetically. So like Hurricane oh, Zelda sorry. isn't scarier that. than Hurricane Apple. No. No, no, it just came okay. later. But then you have a bat in our ducks. I think so. <laughs> like it. Oh my God! So you have a bat. So we're hearing on our end what you can't hear is that we are hearing the constant chirp of like a cartoon squirrel. Yeah, like a some just kind like of a bird. bird. 
and we don't oh man we don't oh, see it but we hear it and we keep thinking that you can hear it and that's why we keep pausing and looking at each other and i'm sorry <laughs> oh no we can't no we can't hear it we can't hear <laughs> I'm it i'm gonna all. try to just make peace with it um I, but i'm worried we're about to be attacked by a bat it's like i don't think right it there we had one in our in our apartment in Bowling Green once, I, and yeah. it was a little tiny apartment. And like I went out, I held the door open and just stood outside for probably an hour. And finally, it flew out because I was not gonna go it, near it. Remember, I had to chase it. I feel like it could be like oh, right. somewhere else, and we we might be hearing it. Also possible because we can hear a baby like it's right yeah, here. Yeah, and we don't have a baby. We so. don't have a baby. But I am. Are you on the Are you on the top floor? No. Right no, second. So, but we have like neighbor walls. <laughs> we have neighbors. <laughs> oh, we have yeah. neighbors. Anyway, I, now that I have ascertained, wow. it definitely is in this room where we are. Uh, awesome. I, sorry. I just. I can hear it a little just bit. Like, yeah, it's I just like stopped. singing a song of. Oh, I think I just. Did it uh-huh. just do something? I think I heard it too. Yeah, yeah it's right that. there. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, so I hope, I hope there's a chance it could come out and attack you on, and we catch it live. I would love that. <laughs> that would that would definitely be a story, but I don't know. Yeah, we're looking to, yeah, get some trending, get some, get some clicks. Yeah, a viral yeah. video of you guys running around your apartment <laughs> being chased by a Just, bat. Yeah. Oh, I just realized. What? I'm not. Rec- it doesn't matter, but I'm not recording. The, I wasn't recording this. Oh, I see. Now that you're. Oh, I mean, right. I was recording them. But I wasn't recording the Zoom. But I don't really need to. But that was my pace setter. But okay. now there's no reason to. Anyway. All right. Back to Sorry. random things in 1950. No, that's great. <laughs> uh, I love I love that that happened. Uh, this is real. <laughs> this makes it real, baby. Um, according to businessinsider.com, since 1950, there have been 32 nuclear weapon accidents known as broken arrows. And to date, there are six nuclear weapons that have been lost and never recovered. Oh, great. In- just throughout like the world. Like in the ocean? Where do they go? Yes, a lot of them. One of them, I read up a lot of these, and there was like one of them, the whole plane disappeared. Oh, my God. And they never found the guy or the plane or the nuke. There's several that have like like dropped and fell in the ocean somewhere, and they could never find it. Um, yeah. So they didn't detonate? They just... they Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Six have been lost, and nobody's been able to find them. So there's at least six that are out there. Whoops! Isn't that nuts? Like somebody's <laughs> gonna come across them and it's gonna just blow up yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah. I always think, you know, it's amazing we haven't been all nuked yet. Like, <laughs> oops. oh, sorry. Uh, okay. Um, so I'm always thinking that all the different people that are seeking nuclear weapons and that all the crazies that if they get one, they're just gonna kill us all. And then this hasn't helped my anxiety. There's six that are just sitting out somewhere. Yeah. And and, and anybody an octopus has one. Yeah, the the bad guy from Iron Man could 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 find it. Yeah. Um, Whataburger, Whataburger, Texas, and Whataburger, Virginia. Did you know, have you ever heard of Whataburger? I've heard anybody? of the restaurant. I I only yeah. So there Texas, are Texas, right? They're mostly Texas. There's there's a Texas Whataburger and a Virginia and they're Whataburger. Different. They opened the they both opened in 1950 without knowledge wow. of each other's existence. Oh, what kind of coincidence yes. is that? There was a trademark infringement issue in the early 2000s, but both kept their names. Huh. Uh, and according to the Houston Chronicle, it wasn't until 1970 that the two chains even discovered mm-hmm. the uh, existence of each other. And they they 
hashed out some things and they, well, I don't know, went to court and they agreed. They made an agreement that they okay. can both exist separately. Well, isn't that nice? Yes. But they've kind of they've kind of expanded. Like, I think the Texas one got all the way to Georgia and, the, like, the Virginia one got all the way down to North Carolina. So I think they're, like, getting close to each other. But I'm not – don't quote me on that. Okay. People from Texas uh, are very passionate about Whataburger. If you, <laughs> yeah. They really are. Like, yeah. it's like how people on the West Coast are about in and out Oh, oh yeah. really? Oh, yeah. I'm sure they are. Yeah. Oh, people in uh, people in North Carolina are are uh, nuts about Bojangles. It's like a chain with chicken. They like ch- I It's like a KFC. Yeah, yeah. And they're everywhere. There's a hundred of them. I mean, a hundred of them on every block. I mean, there's a million of them. That, but I didn't know what they were. And I asked the lady for directions when I first moved here. She's like, "Go to the Bojangles, and make a laugh." And I was like, "What is a what's a Bojangles? Like, <laughs> what's a Bojangles? Like, what are you saying?" Is it like a, is it a, a vehicle that I'm looking out for? What is a Bojangle? Like, is it a, mm-hmm. she's like, you don't know what a Bojangles is? <laughs> Only the Lord can help you. And she kind of walked off. Oh my and God. so I never got my directions because I didn't know what Bojangles was. All right. What's so, next? Anyway, uh, Corn Pops. Did you know that Corn Pops were originally named Corn Pops in 1950? And then they became Sugar Pops in 1951. I remember when it was Sugar Pops. I feel like I remember that. And then they become Sugar Corn Pops. In 1978. That's when we found out that corn was Since, basically sugar. <laughs> yeah. It was basically the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you remember when Sugar Smacks and Sugar Crisp, that, those were sugar. It was Sugar Smacks and Sugar Crisp forever. And then oh. in the 80s, I think they changed them to Honey Smacks and Golden Crisp or whatever. Oh, that's correct. Oh. But I, because I grew up it's with, basically, yeah. with uh, Honey Smacks and Golden Crisp. That's true. Honey Smacks is it got the fraud because yeah. they wanted to get rid of the sugar name because it's negative. Oh, take the sugar out. It, mm-hmm. Well, they didn't but take the, the sugar still out, had <laughs> but yeah, sugar. they didn't call it plenty that. of sugar. No, not yeah. You don't take the sugar out. Take the name of the sugar. That's yeah, so sir, funny. That's right. That, that it Do was they never still have either sold of that way in the first anymore? place. Corn were, pops for sure. I they think. definitely have corn pops, but yeah. but sugar or honey smacks and golden or sugar crisp. Oh, since 1984, it was Corn Pops again. Okay. Except for a, a, a brief time in 2006 when they were just Pops. <laughs> Gotta have my Pops. They, Remember that? Yes. <laughs> They're just going to keep trying. <laughs> They're going to keep, like, feeling it out. Corn Pops are... Yeah. Every couple pops years, they corn take pops. the temperature and they see, like, you know... Are they supposed to taste like popcorn? <laughs> Is that the idea? Maybe. I don't know. These are the gold just, like, yeah. nugget looking. Yeah, things, they're really right? yeah. good. It's one of my favorite cereals. I think they're only good dry. Oh, I, I disagree. I feel like they but get like slimy. They get like they get kind of slimy. I'm on Chris's side here. They they gotta have milk in them. They're way better. Like it's like they're okay dry, but wet wet. I feel like that's the full. I don't cereal. know. You guys, you be yeah. If I'm yeah. If I'm I, I like it uh, In like cat terms, I'm a dry food. I don't want a wet food. <laughs> like uh, uh, if I Ran the Zoo by Dr. Seuss was published in 1950. Have you ever heard of that book, If I Ran the Zoo? I, don't think so. I feel like I have. Well, this one is famous because it is the first recorded ever instance of the word nerd. Huh. Really? Yes. You know how he's got all those characters mm-hmm. with names? He had a Nurkle, a nerd, and a seersucker on the same page. Okay. And nerd stuck for some reason and became yeah. a thing. We called was people. Was nerd, um, was it used in the same context that we use nerd now? 
No, you know, you know how like Dr. Seuss will just name yeah. random uh, a who's it or what's it or whatnot yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. I think it's just a page. You can look up the page and it's just three monster oh, okay. looking so things. It... I I think I do think the nerd had maybe gla- the glasses glasses on. Uh, let me look it back up again. Well, and there's uh, there's something in thing. and this is probably coming up on your podcast is uh, the rise of the teenager in pop culture happens in like mm-hmm. the late 50s or early 60s and before oh, yeah. then you just had like kids and adults and everybody got married at 16 but then that thing of yeah, like teenagers true. having music and movies and things just for them would would mm-hmm. line oh, up yeah, with this... them reading this as a kid just pulled my thing yeah, oh yeah yeah you're probably right Purple. um i'll show you guys on the zoom real quick oops where nope. did it go where did it go there it is uh oh no that's the nerd. Can you oh. see it? That looks yeah. like a, that looks like a bully to me. That doesn't yeah, look, that like, a look like a nerd. Yeah, looks like he looks mean. Yeah, he doesn't look nerdy at all. I thought he had glasses, <laughs> but uh, he just looks like an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a nerd was originally we an asshole. Reclaim that, and then it yeah. evolved in a way. Um, well, who cares about the White House was renovated? Oh, nobody cares. In 1950. You guys don't care about yeah. that. I love um, the <laughs> Yeah, flip, like, flip that like, house. <laughs> just like, okay, really quick, I'm going to tell you that. Open instead floor plan. Of, yeah. <laughs> so, so a lot of times on American Timelines, we would normally, like, I will call back to television shows that were on or what episodes, but things were a lot different. It was more like theater. TV was more like theater. It would just be like yeah, the curtain a, and- a show presents and it'd be like a drama or whatever. So I'm just going to tell you guys the top five Nielsen shows okay. and what they were and what was behind them. The number one show in 1950 was called Texaco Star Theater on NBC. It was an American comedy variety show broadcast on radio from 38 to 49 and telecast on TV from 48 to 56. It was one of the first successful examples of American television broadcasting remembered as the show that gave Milton Berle the nickname Mr. Television. So this would eventually evolve into, mm-hmm. it was called Texaco, you know, was their sponsor. They would just name the show after whoever the sponsor was. Right. It ended up becoming the Milton Berle show. Okay. So in 1950, it was called that. The second rated show was Fireside Theater, mm-hmm. uh, a.k.a. Jane Wyman Presents. Oh. It was an American anthology drama series that ran on NBC from 49 to 58. And it was the first successful film series on American television. Uh, productions were low budget and often based on public domain stories and written by freelance writers such as Rod Serling. Huh. Okay. And then eventually, I think that evolved into the Jane Wyman show. These have such mm-hmm. similar descriptions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're all kind Are of. Are they yeah. all the same? Are they all that? I think so, yeah. The Philco TV Playhouse. <laughs> we don't have to describe uh, each know, one. Became, yeah, so uh, the Colgate Comedy Hour was number five. Uh, the people were just figuring out, yeah, I don't know. you know, getting TVs and, like, what would they watch? Yeah, and, you know, like, yeah, like the, the Colgate Comedy Hour became Ed Sullivan, you know? Like, mm-hmm. They became later, like, the A history of television is, is all that. So, yeah, so I think that's the other thing. Everything was just called... The mm-hmm. commercial. I think they should get back to that. No. I guess they kind of. The college sports bowls are called the Tostitos Bowl and yeah. stuff like that. Maybe. All right. And then that's. And now we're jumping right into calendars. We're jumping all the way to January 6, 1950, okay. which was a Friday. Okay. 
All right, yeah. you guys ready? Yeah. Uh, so about that White House renovation that I just kind of mentioned briefly, and these guys love renovation <laughs> yeah. so much, mm-hmm. that workmen renovating the White House found a small marble box that had been buried underneath a floor slab commemorating the last renovation. The box contained three Washington, D.C. newspapers, 27 cents, and the label from a bottle of Maryland rye whiskey that apparently been placed there on December 2nd, 1902. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So 48 years. Huh. So President Truman ordered that the contents, along with the current, newspaper, current newspapers, be sealed up again and that the box be reburied somewhere in the reconstruction now going on. Oh, so I wonder if they ever found it again. I don't know. But Trump uh, probably is going to take that with him. Yeah, he he can just take whatever he wants as long as he gets out. <laughs> yeah, get the hell out of here. <laughs> <coughs> He's never going. I really wished that, I really wanted that box to have something else. like Yeah, something yeah. cool. Yeah. Or something spooky. Like a thumb. Like a doll. A doll. Yeah. Or just something <laughs> mysterious. <doll>. Yeah, <laughs> like if it had like, yeah. like a yeah. note written in a language that no one could read. Yeah. Ooh, that'd be good. <laughs> Let's just say that was in there. Yeah. That was in there it too. It makes it much yeah. better. <laughs> it's way more exciting. Okay, here's a long one. Kind of a longer one. I know everything's been a little short. Yeah. Color, but this... Uh, I hope you guys like disasters. Love them. This one presently. This one is very gruesome. Saturday, January seventh, uh, nineteen fifty. This is I got this from GenDisasters.com in Davenport, Iowa. Uh, a hospital fire killed thirty-seven people, and it wasn't just a hospital; it was a mental hospital. Oh no! Yes, I bet uh, that's haunted. It's got to be. Um, all of the dead were women. Oh, no. 31 women were known to have died, and six others were presumed dead in a fire which swept a mental hospital. Ten hours after the blaze started, coroner C.H. Wildman said the bodies of 31 women had been recovered and six other patients were missing and almost certain to be dead in the ruins. Now, a lot the, uh, from GenDisasters.com, they, they actually print articles straight from the newspapers back then. Yeah. And there's something in here that we'll get to that I love that they used to always do mm-hmm. they would always print anybody who they would look up information on anybody who was a witness and print where they live and who oh they i live, know who they their live address with. and everything and yeah. their address and who they live yep. with. it's crazy so we'll get to that so uh from this article the sister superior of the hospital said 31 other patients have been treated for burns or injuries accounting for the 65 women and three men known to have been in the building the path to safety for many of the patients was blocked by barred windows Oh, yeah. Except for a nurse's aide, all the dead and missing were patients. They were asleep in the three... So the staff got the hell out of there. Yep, mo- yeah, pretty much. And we'll, we'll tell you how. They were asleep in the three-story St. Elizabeth's Ward building of Mercy Hospital when the flames broke out at 2 a.m. The fire was brought under control in a four-hour battle. The flames spread rapidly through the 60-year-old brick structure, one of four buildings of the hospital. Screams of the trapped women spread the alarm. Aid was sent at once from the nearby five-story Main Mercy Hospital building, and 14 fire companies came immediately. As the flames swept upward, the scene became one of horror. The women patients, many of them infirm of both body and mind, beat against the barred windows and screamed in terror. Oh, my God. Some fainted away in the smoke and flame. Mm -hmm. A white-robed nun stood outside the blaze, weeping bitterly. Her arms held blankets, which firemen took to cover the bodies as they were removed. Catholic chaplains moved shadow-like along their solemn duties as the flames outlined their figures. Some of the rescues fought to return 
uh, some of the rescued fought to return to the burning ward. They wanted to go back for little things, mm-hmm. pictures, shoes, a coat. Mm-hmm. Some of them were like distressed and mentally insane, and, had, and he had to fight him from going back in. There were heroic rescues. Firemen hacked away at window bars while flames licked at their ladders. A policeman called for hose lines to drench him with water, disappeared through a window, returning with a woman in his arms. Uh, three male patients escaped, two by leaping from an unbarred window on the, the second floor. Fire Chief Lester Schick said the fire apparently started in a second floor room on the east side of the building. Sister Mary Annunziata, the hospital superior, told a reporter it was possible someone had been smoking a cigarette and dropped it on some inflammable material. Hours after the fire was extinguished, firemen worked at carrying out melted iron beds, still flaming mattresses, and other smoldering debris. Bodies were removed in white rubber-sheeted bags. the hospital, hospital was administered by Sisters of Mercy, a Catholic order. It was established in 1868. Mm-hmm. Uh, the place then became a temporary morgue. Many of the bodies were burned beyond recognition. Wow. Uh, flames from the burning building reddened the sky over the Mississippi River City. Police officers held back the crowds, which, which pressed against their lines. Some of the survivors were stretcher cases. In all, firemen said that 25 or 30 people were removed from the blazing ward. Miss Josephine O'Toole of Davenport, a nurse's aide, was a survivor. She said she was awakened by screams of patients while asleep in a room on the third floor. I threw open a window but saw nothing unusual and decided to go back to bed, Miss O'Toole said. (laughs) Even though there's people screaming? Yeah. I mean, they probably were screaming all the time. Oh, that's true. If it's a mental institution. Yeah, that's true. No offense to those listening from a mental. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't want to stereotype 1950s mental health yeah. institutions, but I don't know if all those women needed to be institutionalized. I think they maybe yeah, just literally right. needed to be listened to for a couple hours. <laughs> like, can they, you know, can we get them some like personal agency <laughs> to just like, That's right. Yes. Let them like, oh gosh, let these ladies uh, buy a, vib- a vibrator and get a job. And I, yeah, that's right. Let them, you know, that's have right. more voting power. I bet they weren't as hysterical as they've been diagnosed. You know, rest in peace and all. It's easy for me to say from now, but I bet a lot of them were oh, yeah. in fine health. I mean, most of them were old, like I, it, <laughs> it went through the ages of them. They were like in their 90s and stuff. So I think they probably just lumped old people in right. with insane people. And didn't they? Didn't they used to, I mean, we all know stories of women in that era who were pregnant, like a teenage pregnant person. They mm-hmm. would go they away. Would send them right? away. They'd go to halfway yeah. houses. Yeah. They'd send them away. Would it be a place like this, maybe? Mm, no, I, I think it was more like uh, homes for unwed mothers. No, they just have those. Yeah, they did. Oh, man. Um, anyway, she, uh, uh, yeah, she went back. Then she heard someone shout fire, and I opened my door and looked out into the hall. I smelled smoke and heard more screams on floors below me. I didn't know how long the fire had been burning, and I was afraid I'd be trapped. Windows are barred, so you can't get out. I didn't relish the prospect of jumping from the third floor, so I grabbed my coat, put it over my nightgown, and ran downstairs to the basement. There I was joined by Mrs. Neighbors, one of the patients, and we went out through the basement. I really don't know what time it was, but it must have been a little before 2 o'clock. Flames started to shoot up the building a short time later, and she said, I guess I was one of the first out of the building. If I hadn't gone when I did, I might have been trapped like many others. Mrs. O'Toole lives with her sister, Mrs. Martin Linehan of Davenport, when not on duty. Like they just printed that. In the <laughs> they tell that <laughs> she's an old maid. <laughs> uh, anyway, that I mean, the rest of it just. I love how they oh, yeah. they use it's only last names. Like they don't 
you know, like nowadays they yeah, would give you their full yeah, name, but it's only like Mrs. O'Toole. First or last name. They just give like no, no. They did, at the, yeah. whoever your husband's yeah. name was. No, they did. At the beginning, they said Miss Josephine O'Toole oh. Oh, okay. of Davenport. Of oh, Davenport, I guess like, even her where she sister, lives. Maybe it's because she wasn't married, but her sister who she lives with, they were like just like yeah. Mrs. Uh, Frederick. Yes. Mrs. Martin yeah. Linehan. Yeah. That's yeah. Mrs. Martin. Insane. Yeah. That yeah. was an insane yeah. thing she, that people did until like yeah. somewhat recently. Like my grandma did that for people sure. People still do that. Oh people yeah, people still do that. Mrs. Mrs. What, you yeah. see in yeah. obituaries, yeah. their full name, their husband's full name. Like in obituaries, you'll see um, survived by their daughter, and it'll have a name, and then in parentheses, her husband's first name. Yeah, that's right. That's weird. Oh yeah, mm. yeah, that's always weird. They, I, they think they do the opposite too. Of yeah, spouses. I think they just do like, that with everyone who's married. Yeah. You know? Okay, yeah, but I, it probably yeah, started off being <laughs> le- the same idea. Yeah, it probably did. Only if there was, yeah, um, yeah. There's it goes into a lot more of this, and I, I don't know if, yeah. There's more like women trying to get back in, and more That's horror bleak. and awfulness. I just. Yeah, it's just very bleak, and there's not really anything <laughs> that funny about it. No, <laughs> there's yeah. not. It's a little bit like that shirt factory story. Oh my god, the triangle shirtwaist yeah. factory fire. Yeah, that one's scary. Did we talk we talked about that? No, it's it oh. it happens I, I think in I, the forties, maybe? It sounds familiar. I wonder why yeah. The triangle shirt yeah, that sounds familiar. You probably heard okay, this this next one is a little bit more of a spooky one, and then we'll get to you. This is the last one I have okay. before we jump into your okay. crazy rape. Whatever no, there's uh, no rape. <laughs> okay, good. Uh but <laughs> Rape free episode. We rape, have a free. rape free episode. Rape free. Wait a minute. I might. There might be rape in this next one. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, this is a disappearance that I have. Ooh. On January fourteenth, nineteen fifty. Yeah. Richard Colvin Cox, born. Oh, you don't care when he was born. He was born in nineteen twenty-eight. All right. Last seen on January fourteenth, nineteen fifty. He was a second-year cadet who disappeared from the United States Military Academy at West Point, New York. Mm-hmm. He was uh, in that month of January. He was visited by a young man whose first name may have been George three times over the course of a week. On the third occasion, Cox and George left the grounds of the academy and were never seen again. According to an eyewitness account from another cadet, the two men seem to have known each other somewhere other than West Point. And so I'll get into some of the details of this. But my first inkling was, you know, thinking 1950 and how like we were jumping a lot, mm-hmm. you know. From sixty nine, our last to fifty, to 50 like things were archaic and archaic and different. I really think first thing that jumped in my head it was like he was probably gay mm-hmm. and had a partner, and you can't tell anybody. You or can't. he just go, or he just went AWOL. Yeah, he might have. I mean, we'll get into it once I read the story. I don't think that's the case. Okay, like, once we get into this, it's a little more creepy. But my first thought was that because I remember my, my I have a story. My dad told me one time when right before he died, we had a big argument about. Mm-hmm. Um, everything in politics he was a big rush limbaugh guy and i couldn't get him to i couldn't understand what he had against gay marriage i was like just tell me and this was in 2004 so like even we've come a long way since then yeah and, and he told me his whole thing his whole argument against gay guys this is kind of my favorite stupid homophobic thing that's actually kind of funny in that mm-hmm. his, his mindset he said when he was in the marines and he was in the marines in korea i'm trying to think he was born in 39 so like 50s mm-hmm. late 50s 60s right mm-hmm. um, so he he said yeah oh no when i was stationed in i want to say he was in san francisco uh 
one of uh, <laughs> the gays got a hold of one of our <laughs> one of our guys. They got a hold of him, and I I don't think he ever did get away from them. <laughs> that was his argument, uh, and I was like, uh, so a gay gang. <laughs> stole one of kidnapped one of your marines like a gay gang showed up <laughs> in the 50s and stole one of your marines like it was just so absurd so and my thought was the guy was probably a gay guy and finally found his people yeah and of course my dad wouldn't understand that but he couldn't say that probably mm-hmm. then i mean right it's just it's so sad to think about what people had to do in those days it's so Nuts. So I assumed that was this, but now let's get into what this <laughs> really is. I don't know. Do you guys have anything to say about my dad's horrible homophobia? <laughs> no, I think you covered it. <laughs> 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 okay, let's get to Richard. Co- <laughs> let's get to Richard Coleman Cox. Uh, at 4:45 p.m. on Saturday, January 7th, 1950, a man telephoned Cox's West Point classmate, Peter Haynes. Haynes answered the calls for the company members. He later said the caller's tone was rough and patronizing, almost insulting. After Haynes told the man Cox was not in his room, the man replied, Well, look, when he comes in, tell him to come on down here to the hotel. Just tell him George called. He'll know who I am. Uh, well, he, He'll know who I am. We knew each other in Germany. I'm just here for a little while and tell him I'd like to get him a bite to eat. Haynes later stated he could not be completely certain the name given was George. Okay. Um as he had answered many phone calls while on duty, and uh, one had not seemed, that one didn't seem noteworthy at the time. And Cox talked about the guy to his, his mates, but he never uh, called him by his name. <clears throat> at 5.30 p.m., <clears throat> a man, excuse me, <coughs> I got to drink some water. Take care Eight of yourself, day. hydrate. Eight of those oh, a day. I'm so hungover from... So hungover from um, last night, Joe Biden celebratory drinking Um, at 530 p.m. A man entered Grant Hall, an area where cadets could meet guests and ask to see Cox. The cadet on duty telephoned Cox to tell me had a visitor. The cadet later described the visitor as slightly under six feet, weighing around 185 pounds. Now, that's about, you know. Everybody. He was fair haired <laughs> and had a. F- <laughs> I mean, how many guys do you know that are six feet, 180 right. pounds? Right. That doesn't narrow it down. It's most dudes. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. Anyway, right. Uh, but, but he was fair haired and a fair complexion and wore a belted trench coat. But, okay. But no hat. Which also, is unusual. Yes. For 1950. Every, in 1950, everybody wore hats. Yeah, that's right. So that tells me eight. If you're fair complected, you got to pop a hat on. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially if you're fair complexion. Yeah. I didn't right. think about that. Mm-hmm. When Cox entered the hall, he shook hands with the man. Uh, the cadet on di- on duty later recalled he seemed glad to see him. Cox seemed glad to see him. Cox signed out in the company B two departure book, indicating he would have dinner he have dinner off campus. However, Cox later admitted to his roommates they did not dine, but they drank from a bottle of whiskey while sitting inside the man's parked car. Okay. Okay. Cox returned to now. That's now, I'm thinking that's more mm-hmm. something else. Maybe a love connection. Mm-hmm. I mean. Who knows? I've only drank whiskey in my car with people I was. Right. Well, I don't think I've ever drank whiskey in my car with anyone. No. Cox returned to Cadet Company B2, signed the departure book, took a shower, and slept off the effects of the alcohol. His two roommates later revealed this, and as a prank, they photographed him slumped over his desk asleep. Mm-hmm. Now, back then, what? How long would it take to get film developed? Like, right. Yeah, I'd have a dark Great room, question. I think. I don't know. Yeah, you, <laughs> you <laughs> mail it off. 
You mail it somewhere. Maybe. Yeah, or something to a lab. Yeah. I have no idea. Or did everyone have a dark room? I don't know. <laughs> you pop on that yeah. red bulb. You've got the like clips. <laughs> <laughs> At an inter- in, in, uh, indeterminate time that evening, Cox altered the mi- military time he had written in the departure book, changing 1923 to 1823 to make it look as, as, as if he had attended the 6.30 p.m. cadet supper formation. In fact, he had skipped the formation. This, te- was, this, this detail was not discovered until two years later. If the alteration had been discovered that it was uh, when it was fresh in January, Cox would have been charged with violating the cadet honor code and likely expelled. Oh. But that didn't happen. So... So when does he disappear? The next morning, before attending Sunday chapel service, Cox mentioned his visitor to his roommates. The man, Cox said, was a former U.S. Army Ranger who had served in the same unit as he had in Germany. Cox said the the man liked to brag about killing Germans during the war and had boasted about cutting off their private parts afterwards. Oh, God. Another story he told Cox was about having gotten a German girl pregnant and then murdering her to prevent her from having a baby. Whoa. So this is a fucked up dude. Yeah. This is a weirdo. Mm-hmm. Uh, that afternoon, Cox signed out a second time to meet the man, returning at about 4.30 p.m. The following six days were without incident, and then Cox mentioned his, uh, and Cox mentioned his visitor once to his roommates. He remarked that he hoped he wouldn't have to see this guy again. Okay. Like he's kind of... So he not doesn't like He's kind of saying he doesn't really yeah. want to hang out with this guy anymore. And then on Saturday, January 14th, Cox watched a basketball game between the Army and Rutgers University. Afterwards, he was seen talking to a man thought to be George. Okay, same guy. Although, the cadet who saw the two talking gave a description that differed greatly from the description given by the cadet who had seen the stranger in Grant Hall. According to the eyewitness description from January 14th, this guy was dark-haired and rough-looking. So, it doesn't seem like the same person? Unless he's disguised. That's the only thing I think of. Hmm. Or is it a different Isn't guy? the first step of running away to dye one's hair, though? Mm-hmm. In like a gas station oh. mirror. Like yeah, that's salt. true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. With oil. Like with yeah, actual, with like, like whatever 1950s products you could find. Shoe, yeah. shoe polish, probably. Yeah, probably. Oh, I didn't think about that until now that we're talking about this. Okay, so Cox returned to his room and mentioned to a roommate he was signing out to dine with his visitor again. So he's kind of told people it is the same guy. Uh, although he appeared not apprehensive, just sort of disgusted. The two men left the grounds of the academy and vanished without a trace. Never came back. Never came back. Hmm. Um, now, there was some investigations. Mm-hmm. They drained a local pond. They looked everywhere, yeah. all the areas, and had searches, never found them. Uh, FBI became involved, Uh Nothing. Um, the Lusk Reservoir was dragged. The banks of the Hudson were searched. They did a manhunt and didn't find anything. Um, but the, the theory that he had deliberately deserted from West Point was discounted originally because he had left behind $87 in his room. Mm-hmm. And in 1950, yeah. $87 is equivalent to $925 today. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's nuts. So that dude's fucking loaded. Yeah. What have we become? (laughs) I know. Seriously. (laughs) $87 is just like one tasteful little bag of groceries. It's just Mm -hmm. like. Not even. It's just not even. Yeah. Yeah. That's nothing. (laughs) I I wiped my ass with $87 just this morning. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, So on March 1950. 
he was listed as absent without leave, and he was declared legally dead in 1957. Now, in the in 1985, Marshall Jacobs, uh, retired high school history teacher, performed an investigation, and then Current Affair did a segment about this mystery on one of its episodes, and one of these investigations, someone spoke to a retired U.S. Coast Guard officer named Ernest J. Shotwell, who said on camera that he had had a conversation with Cox at the Washington, D.C. Greyhound Lines two years after his disappearance. So this is a guy that knew him. And said he saw him. Saw him two years later. Okay. And he's, during the conversation between the two who had been classmates at the USMA prep school at Stewart Field, they'd not seen each other since then. He didn't know he was missing even. And during the encounter at the bus station, Cox seemed uncomfortable and was vague about his plans for the immediate future. So he just ran off. Yeah, I think he pretty much just ran mm-hmm. off. It sounds like it. But possibly with an alien. Could be. Could be a man in black type situation. Yeah. Mm. And so, yeah, for years they've searched. They've never... Nobody's found anything. There's been different searches and things. Okay. That's pretty fascinating. Yeah. Guy's gone. Can't find him. So, Richard Cox, if you're listening to this episode of American Timelines by History of the Dirts, <laughs> yeah. we'd like to be the exclusive that breaks where you are. How old would he be if he was like 20 something in 1950? He'd be. No, I, we're not doing math. 90? Yeah, he'd be. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he could be. He could be alive. He could be. No, he's not. He's in dead. his defense, on one one point, when you were like, he signed out uh, at 1900, and then he went back and changed it to 1800, I feel like if I was in the military, yeah. all of my check-ins and outs yeah, would be corrected. Would I would be, be like, okay, wait, I'm so sorry. What is 1600 again? <laughs> I, <laughs> 18 is... Sorry, can I, can I see that book again? I'm so sorry. It's four o'clock. I did, what time is that? <laughs> Yes, that might not be. When a we went to, that might just be like he just has like clock hours. Yeah, he's, yeah, he doesn't know how to. Yeah. <laughs> right. When we went to when we went to Scotland, that's how they do time. And we went to the French festival, yeah. and they were it was all in military time, and we had to sit there all the time and figure out, okay, what is fifteen hundred? What the <laughs> hell is that? You know, you have to start at noon, and like okay, twelve o'clock. Yes, every single time. 13, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. <laughs> yeah, I do all the yeah, time. Yeah, so I'm removing that <laughs> oh as evidence. Oh, my God. I think that's, I get that one. It might have just been a goof up. That really isn't evidence yeah. of anything. Uh, and then it's like, I guess, all in all, it's sort of anticlimactic. Eh, I never found him. Yep, I know. Never again. But I still, ah, oh man, the guy didn't wear a hat. That's not something I didn't, I didn't even think about that. Until yeah. You said, that's not normal. Not He's normal. He's got to be an alien. That's. I'm I'm seventy thirty alien. You are on this one. Mm. We have a great alien story coming up in Oh the fifties is like Oh man, yeah. Alien City, baby. And Well re- you better I might be doing some of those. Oh, okay, so. I might share my research with you. Anyway, that brings us to Amy's story on Tuesday, January seventeenth, nineteen fifty. I understand you have something to tell us about. Yes. I'm going to talk about the Great Brinks robbery. Ooh. So it's not a murder. It's a robbery. Can it you guys is. hear? Can you guys hear Amy yep. okay? Yeah. Okay. She's going to go blab on about a robbery that happened the same day. Yes. So shortly before 7.30 p.m. on the evening of January 17th, 1950. Oh, wait. The same day that the 
<laughs> U.S. the Long I- U.S. Long Island University lost to North Carolina State, fifty-five to fifty-two, even though they were favored to win by nine points in a game at New York City's Madison Square Garden. That an investigation followed that would reveal that LIU players Eddie Gard and Dick Furtado had been paid $2,000 by New York jeweler and gambler Salvatore Salazalo to engage in point shaving that same day? Yes, that same day. A group of armed masked men emerging emerged from 165 Prince Street in Boston, Massachusetts, dragging bags containing over $2 million in cash and securities. Ooh. These men had just committed the crime of the century, the perfect crime, the fabulous Brinks robbery, which are... Which is how they talked about it in the paper. A fabulous Brinks robbery. That's how they said it in paper. <laughs> yep. So at 727, as the robbers sped from the scene, a Brinks employee telephoned the Boston Police Department. And then minutes later, police arrived at the Brinks building and special agents of the FBI quickly joined into the investi- investigation. Now, I got, I got most of this from the FBI from website. From the FBI's website? Yeah. yeah. So just when you say telephoned, I always know that's an outdated thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. Telephone so, me. So they they didn't have a lot of facts from the start. Okay. Um, they had there was five employees that were confronted by the criminals that were there at the time, and they told them the police that between five and seven robbers had entered the building. All of them wore navy type pea coats, gloves, and chauffeur's caps, and yep. each of them was, face was completely concealed by a Halloween mask. Oh, creepy! They're all going, ha, see, ha. Yep, they were. Nineteen fifty. But they didn't talk a lot. Oh, they didn't. No, so they weren't saying. Yeah, but they that. they seemed to know like they moved with studied precision. They they seemed to know like, um, it, exactly where they were going, where like they were they going, and everything. Yeah, scoped out the place. So 1950s Halloween mask. Yeah, I'm picturing I don't something know. horrific. Really? Yeah. Oh my god! If you ever look at the vintage pictures... Halloween masks, they're so creepy looking. Oh yeah, like they're usually like cloth, yeah. like mm-hmm. tied up. Oh. I'm picturing like the witch mask from Charlie Brown. Pictures of kids, old trick or treating pictures are terrifying. Yes, Halloween masks. They were are. Awful. They were, and yeah, but almost, but scary. They yeah, they be yeah, scary, it right? works. So it works. But I guess you know when I'm looking at the pictures now of 1950. Is it scary because it's old too, right. or was it? Do you think it was scary then? Like where he's like, "Boy, you're fucked up looking." Well, that's all there was. So that's all you they had. Didn't know so they didn't any, know anything. Did yeah. So somehow know. the criminals had opened at least three and maybe four locked doors to get entrance to the second floor of Brinks, Ooh. where the five employees were um, checking and storing the money collected from their the Brinks customers that day. Got to be an inside job, right? Because Brinks is like. Well, that's the question. So all five employees had been forced at gunpoint to lie face down on the floor. Their hands were tied behind their backs and adhesive tape was placed over their mouths. During this operation, one of the employees had lost his glasses and they later could not be found on the Brinks premises. So they probably took them. As the loot was being placed in bags and stacked between the second and third doors loading to the Prince Street entrance, a buzzer sounded. So the robbers removed the tape from one of the guy's mouths that was laying there and they found out that it was a just a delivery guy at the door. So they were getting ready to catch him, and then they saw him walking away because oh. nobody answered the door. So they he he did never suspected that they were there was anything going oh. on at the time. Um, so in in addition to the general descriptions received from the employees, the investigators obtained some physical evidence. They had the rope and adhesive tape used to bind and gag the employees, and the chauffeur's cap, which one of the robbers had left at the crime scene. The FBI further learned that four revolvers had been taken by the gang. 
so they have the serial numbers of the weapons and um you know they noted those in case they come across them again um then they started to scour the underworld crime people all over um boston and then it got bigger and bigger until they were like all the wanted list of people yeah and, and all of the know, you know because the fbi criminals. knows who's in the underworld you know the crime people that racketeering and all of that other stuff you know they they just can't prove it so the heat was on yeah huh fbi knows everything don't they they know everything i don't know like do they know they don't think they know as much as people think they know I I kind of I hope they at least know that I am a podcaster because if you looked at my search history, it's always looking, tons of murder, possible things, ro- robberies. Like I'm looking oh, yeah. up how to you know this burning building. You know, like uh, why is he so interested in this? Yeah. You know, mental right. institution fire. <laughs> you know, like. He also looked up this uh, childhood bomb making toy. Yes. <laughs> yes. If anyone right. is looking just... up my Amazon search history, it is right. for a podcast. Uh, my Google search yes. history it is all for a podcast. Uh, the music I listen yes, to at all... the gym is all, is all a joke. It's all a po- it's all for a podcast. I, I recently ordered some artificial <laughs> birds, and there is a a reason for that that is makes perfect sense. <laughs> And, and my Pornhub search is all related to bot. That is also That's artificial right. birds. Same, still applies. <laughs> artificial birds. <laughs> so the um, the the case was front page news, and um, they started getting all these tips coming in from anonymous people, um, and they they contacted various resorts throughout the United States for information concerning people known to possess unusually large sums of money. Following, like, after the robbery to yeah. see... somebody spend big spender guy. Then on February 5th, a police officer in Somerville, Massachusetts, recovered one of the four revolvers. Oh. And investigation established that this gun, together with another rusty revolver, had been found on February 4th by a group of boys who were playing in a sandbar. And through the interviews of people in the vicinity of the Brinks offices on the evening of January 17th, the FBI learned that a 1949 green Ford truck with a canvas top had been parked near the Prince Street door of Brinks at approximately the time of the robbery. And so it was logical that the gang might have used the truck since it was right there. Sure. And so then on March 4th, pieces of an identical truck were found at a dump in Stoughton, Massachusetts, maybe? Maybe. Guys, how do you pronounce uh, it? <laughs> uh, it's, actually, it's actually pronounced stu- Yeah. um and and they had they had torched the truck they had cut it up with a torch and a sledgehammer was used to smash the motor and they had put all the pieces in fiber bags and wait wait so the whole truck was all in pieces yes yes and so i think that's smart like if you've ever torn something up and put it in more than one trash can yeah yeah Yeah. credit cards you cut up a credit card Three spots, three different dead trashes. bodies. I always swallow one piece. Yeah. Yeah. Dead bodies. Yes. Wait, I, I want uh, the rusty revolver. Yes. Not to be confused with the rusty trombone. Right. Uh, is there? Do you think there is there any kind of forensics that you do on this? Like to figure, like how long does it take a revolver to rust? Like I figured no, this is only a couple of weeks. Right. Would it be that rusty that quick? I don't know. 
What were they guys? What were they made of? Were they just like iron? Yeah, that's. I don't know. Question. You guys are the metal we experts. Are, yeah. that's, that's why true. we had you on the podcast. Is there for your gun metal? My days of, of blacksmithing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't even think I know what rust is. I know. I know what it is. I know like how it happens as a concept, but I do not know the reasons why rust exists yeah. in our world. It's like a chemical reaction of some sort with the air. Oxidizing. That's already already more words than I would be able to use to describe it. Yeah. (laughs) Where where are we uh, money-wise with money that can be like, did we have serial numbers or traceable like batches of... Did we have ink uh, little blots in the middle of this, in the middle of the stacks? I don't think... I don't... that, That is not clear. But they did mark the money, so but I'll get into it. Okay, we'll get into it. Okay. Yeah, who was who was on the? Do- I mean, was it still was George Washington? I don't know. I did not <laughs> research that. So the. <laughs> I went, no, I was asking these guys, our expert money guys. M- money guys. <laughs> so the truck found at the dump had been reported stolen by a Ford dealer near Fenway Park in Boston on November third, nineteen forty nine. Oh, November third, nineteen forty nine. Yes. A date something else probably could have happened if you would have told me that date ahead of time. I know. And I could maybe insert here. But okay. It won't be what was on different strokes. But they didn't, that didn't lead to anything. That didn't lead to anything. No. So, some suspects. Okay. Among Let's get the, the suspects. Among the early part. suspects was Anthony Pino, who was an immigrant, and he was a principal sub- suspect in numerous major robberies and burglaries in Massachusetts. Anthony Pino. He was known in the underworld as an excellent case man and was said that the casing of the Brinks offices bore his trademark. So when you say an excellent case, man, case in the joint. Case in the joint. He knows how to case the joint. That's right. So I and know. And so he was questioned about his whereabouts that night. Okay. And he provided a good alibi, but it was almost too good of an alibi. Hmm. He had been at his home in the Roxbury section of Boston until about seven o'clock. Then he walked to the nearby liquor store of Joseph McGinnis. Then he engaged in a conversation with McGinnis and a Boston police officer. The officer verified the meeting. So the officer said, yeah, that happened. Right. The Crooked al- officer. What? Is it a crooked officer? I don't know. Oh. The alibi was strong, but it wasn't conclusive. The police officer said he had been talking to McGinnis first, and Pino arrived later to join them. The trip from the liquor store to Roxbury to the Brinks office could be made in about 15 minutes, so Pino could have been at McGinnis's liquor store shortly after 7.30 and still have participated in the robbery. So it's not airtight. No. And, yeah. then, they, and then there's the question of McGinnis himself, the guy that owned the liquor store. Oh. Commonly regarded as a dominant figure in the Boston underworld, McGinnis previously had been convicted of robbery and narcotics violations. Oh, well, then you can't trust any of that right there. And do you think, like, seasoned robbers like this, like, as soon as you make the robbery, like, it must be a thing that you go immediately somewhere. Yeah, yeah so that you have an alibi. to somebody to get an alibi, like, yeah. in the middle of a robbery, probably. Right, right, yeah. I never thought yeah. about that. So, um, and McGinnis had also left his home shortly before seven o'clock on the night of the robbery and met that, then met the police officer right after that. Okay. Um, neither Pino nor McGinnis was known to be the type of hoodlum who would undertake so potentially dangerous a crime without the best strong arm support available. Oh, yeah. See? So they, they know they needed some strong arm guys. Yeah. So two of these suspects were Joseph James O'Keefe and Stanley Albert Gushiora. 
Yeah, this has got to be a big job. I mean, you're not gonna. It's not gonna be just one. Well, two million dollars. My God, in yeah. 1950s money. So if eighty-seven dollars. Eighty-seven dollars. <laughs> yeah. Nine hundred thirty. <laughs> two million is. My God. That's, it's it's like ten it's, times as much. That's over yeah. nine billion dollars. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's more. It's more money that exists. Right. It's right in the world. So O'Keefe and Gushiora reportedly had worked together on a number of occasions. And they both were in prison together, and all so they knew each other, yeah. these two guys. Um, O'Keefe was known to have associated with Pino as well prior to the Brinks robbery. So both of the, these strong-arm guys yeah. had been questioned by Boston a police following the robbery. Neither had too convincing an alibi. O'Keefe said he left his hotel room in Boston at about 7 o'clock on January 17th. 1950. Uh-huh. Following the robbery, authorities attempted unsuccessfully to locate him at his, his hotel, and he wasn't there. But he said he had been drinking in a bar in Boston, and Gushiori also said he'd been drinking that evening. And That's no not atypical, I'm sure, right. for everyone. So then 1950 goes on, and then in late 1950, both O'Keefe and Gushiori were sentenced to prison for other crimes. Okay. So the police started to see where, like, who was giving money to these mobsters what, to get them out of jail? Okay. Because they're all in jail for all these other things, like yes. robberies they or burglaries. They were watching the and, bails. Yeah. And, yes. And so they start, they start finding some other guys. And here's some of their names. So there was Adolf Jazz Mafia. Yes. Adolf Jazz Mafia, y'all. He did it. He um, was being pressured to contribute money for the... for both O'Keefe and Gushiora, who are the ones in jail. So I feel like Adolf, I'm sorry, Adolf's an unfortunate name, but call him Jazz. Yeah, call him Jazz. I would say call me Jazz if my name was Adolf. Okay. And then there was Henry Baker, and he was um, kicking into the fund, too, the defense fund. Okay. So Baker said that on the night in question, he had eaten dinner with his family then he left home at about 7 o'clock to walk around the neighborhood for about two hours. He said he met no one and had stopped nowhere during his walk. So he could have been doing anything between 7 and 9. I met no one and I went nowhere. He just took a two-hour walk. He was just, yeah, yeah just clearing his mind. I love that. <laughs> just like yeah, <laughs> listening to uh, just... <laughs> just like yeah. to relax at the end of a long day. <laughs> Who doesn't yeah. just want to... Exactly. Well, they, you can't do that. You can't do that nowadays because there's a camera on every on every doorbell, every street right. street pole, every doorbell. Yeah, it's, it really is kind of creepy. Yeah, everyone everyone can track you at any time. Like the guy with the Trump flag in our neighborhood, like uh, our across the street neighbors. Yeah, probably have you fallen off that ladder on her <laughs> ring doorbell. <laughs> oh, I should ask her whatever day that was if she has a live action shot of me falling off my ladder. That really hurt. He fell off the ladder and God. really scraped himself up. Like he looked like a six-year-old that had been riding a bike. Because the ladder was on. <laughs> it wasn't just a ladder. It was a down the ladder or off of the ladder. It the whole thing went over. Like I fell over. Like uh, like the ladder was on a second level, and so the ladder fell off the first level, and I was on top of the ladder. Oh, you were on. So yeah. so it went down to the second level, and then I fell down from that. So. God, Jeez, yeah. I was gonna say the guy with the Trump flag. Uh, oh me- yeah, messaged everybody in the neighborhood on the na- on the next door the neighbor next app. door app, and he was like, "Hey, somebody stole my 
my Trump flag that says Trump 2020, no more bullshit. Did anybody see who did it on your ring doorbells? <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and so then it was like an endless stream of people's ring doorbells posting on there. Uh, uh, oh my yeah. God. Okay. Anyway. So they, the FBI starts to notice that everybody who has their alibi keeps saying seven o'clock. Something happened at seven o'clock. Like they, that's everybody's alibis at the same time, so they know when it so, happened. So yeah, so they that's when they, that's when they start to piece other things together. Okay. So the grand jury met and they decided there wasn't enough evidence because there wasn't any witnesses and they had been in a disguise and all that. So the grand jury said we can't indict them right now. Yeah, with all those Halloween creepy Halloween masks. And then Pino, one of the guys, he almost gets deported. Because oh. he had been illegally here, and it was a whole bunch of bullshit that I took out. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then, and then um, O'Keefe got out of prison, but then there was three different attempts on his life. Really? Yeah. So somebody's really trying to kill him. Yes, because he's going to talk. So he gets... Um, he's going to sing like a canary. He gets thrown back in jail for something else, and um, he starts to get really pissed off. That all these other guys have the money, and he's in jail, and he and he had there was all these middlemen, and there were some guys that didn't even ever go in the building when they did the robbery, so they shouldn't get as much, and like he's starting to just get real pissed while yeah. he's sitting in well, prison. I mean, there's plenty of money to go around. So he finally decides he's going to talk. So O'Keefe tells the police the, uh, the whole thing. He tells uh-huh. them everything. So he says that it was Pino's idea but um there was a combined criminal element that that did the whole thing and it it started they started making plans in december of 1948 yeah and they all the participants were casing the joint and they're surveilling from neighboring rooftops Ah. and um they went in to the building and toured it several different times and while they were in there somehow they they stole the. Oops, oh, sorry about that. You gotta turn your notifications off. You sorry. ruin our podcast every time. Wait a minute. How do they get into the building? To, they to... they just go in there surreptitiously, kind of onto the premises. They might be dressed like a painter, or you oh. know, like sneaking around disguises. Right, and so um, they take the lock cylinders out. And they put, like, fake ones in there, and they run over to the locksmith and have the guy yeah. make keys. Oh. And then they run run back, and they put the cylinders back in. Wow. And they didn't get caught doing that. But Whoa. that's how they got in through all the doors, because there were so many successive doors that they had to get in. I would never have once thought of that. I feel like if you yeah. can do that part, then you don't need a locksmith. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> we broke into this building. <laughs> yeah. Right. We can take the locks out. Right. Yeah, but we can't make keys. We don't know how to do that part. So then they stole a truck. They they knew like the whole schedule, all the Brinks schedule, and yeah. and who came wh- when, and kind of like Groundhog Day when he like times those. Guys yeah, everything was timed down to where the he minute. Pulls the truck, the money out. And so Costa was one of the other guys. He had a flashlight, and he was the guy that signaled the other men when the conditions were favorable to go in and okay. do the robbery. And so they all get there, and they use their outside door key. They get in, and they put their masks on, 
once they're inside and then they just get up to the thing and they get bind and gag them and everything that I said at the beginning. Yeah. And um, so O'Keefe spills the whole story. Spills and then, the beans. Yep. And so then, finally, on January 11th, 1956. Oh, the same day <laughs> that insert random fact I might look up later. <laughs> same day that happened, guys? Can you believe that happened? That, I can't oh. believe it. I who remember. doesn't? Who, that classic thing. I wondered when that happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, they finally filed the complaints charging, um, and there was 11 of them that they charged. Six of the gang were arrested on January twelfth, nineteen fifty six. Okay. And then they and and they but the thing is they didn't know where any of the money was. Oh. They never Two million dollars. Yeah. So they ended up retrieving like sixty thousand of it. Wow. But that was it. The rest of it is gone. Sixty thousand of how much million? Two, two million. Two million. What's the percentage, fellas? Were you asking them math uh, questions? <laughs> They're, they're doing Don't it. even do it. It's Don't half. even do it, you guys. It's easily, it's, it's over 50%. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know about you, but I freeze with math. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I have a calculator. Like, What's the point? Oh, I get I get phobic when anybody shoots me a math question. I'm not prepared for it. How many years have we been married? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me math. Good, I don't either. All right, so... Um, in July of 1956, then, Stanley Gushiora dies of a brain tumor, so he's dead. The rest of them go to jail. Um, and October 5th, 1956, they were all found guilty. They were all found guilty? Yep, and they were all sentenced to life on October 9th, 1956. Wow, they all got put away, so it was solved. So it was solved, But yes. only six people did it? They didn't catch anybody they else? Had, I don't know. It's It said they arrested 11 of them, yeah. but they ended up indicting, I don't know, get six of them got life. Yeah. And then I guess the uh, rest of them were kind of like little guys that did shit on the side that weren't involved directly. Like maybe yeah. a locksmith got some time well, or whatever. Well, it sounds like a lot of them are in and out of jail anyway. Oh, yeah. Big yeah. time. I mean, I love a good heist. Yeah. yeah. If we, Who doesn't? If we were going to put together a heist... What's everybody's <laughs> job? Sure. Oh my god. I I guess I famously the... cannot drive or find anything. I was just gonna so... say that. Do <laughs> not let Ryan be the I'm getaway. Not getaway car. <laughs> no, I'll do get. I'll do the getaway car because I don't want to. I, I don't want to get out of the car. You drive pretty fast and pretty recklessly. Yeah, so I could anyway. I, I could do that. I'll, I'm really I bad could, at I'll lying, be... so I can't do any kind of um, you're ba- you're bad covert operations. I would just be like, hello, <laughs> I am here for... Make a withdrawal. I'm here at a bank just to be uh, just to be a normal citizen. Don't ask me any questions. I would. Cre- I think I'd like to be the lookout. I'll create Can I be the lookout? Di- I'll create a diversion. I'm the person who like, <laughs> yeah. oh, somebody out front fell with a wedding cake and everybody ran out to see if he was okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, you run in. And the cake. The cake. Everybody, he had. come quick. Hey, everybody, cake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the cake he had landed right on his face. Yeah. It was like the guy from Sesame Street always trying to paint the letters, and he's always oh, they fall down the stairs. Fall down the stairs. I could be the oh, that cake. I could be the plant that is interested in the cake because I wouldn't have to act. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I would genuinely be interested if someone ran in and offered me cake. Yeah. And the cake was filled with more cakes. 
<laughs> yeah, but somebody else has to case the joint. Somebody else has to plan yeah. the getaway. I think I could case. I could case a joint, maybe. You have to stay up to and just stare at it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah what are you is your, I mean, then you're just like seeing if they have a guard, seeing. Uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Like, when the guard the habits, there's no there's no cameras. I could case it if I had a checklist. I wouldn't yeah. be able to case a joint if I didn't know what I was looking for, because I would just be like it. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the lights are on. The lights are off. Yeah, this, when I was a kid, this Walgreens does not stock all of the var- varieties of Pringles that the other Walgreens does. Yeah. I think <laughs> the other one. Yeah, Chris like, comes That's back. Not what we were looking for. You guys, they open at nine no. o'clock. Yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah, we have Google. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, my mom would always uh, errantly accuse people of casing our house. <laughs> like, Did she really? Anybody drive? Oh, they're probably casing the joint. They're probably casing our house. Find out when we're not here. It's always so. I was always worried about somebody casing the place. That's that's a horrible thing that to tell a young yeah, child. She, I don't think she realizes how often she said that. <laughs> oh, they're probably casing the place. What's that car doing out there? Oh, they're casing <laughs> our house. Find out when we're not here. <laughs> oh my Thank God! I'll go to bed. Honey. Good night. I was I was <laughs> terrified of being kidnapped as a child. So if somebody said that to me, I would have. I don't oh, know why. Yeah. Like, I like had in my head in a room. I had the word burglar in my like head with like fear. Like that was yes. to me like people oh, sneaking yes. through the house while we were all asleep. Oh. To, like, well, you in- know, my house, my house was robbed when I was. While uh, you're home? No, um, we were. It was in the middle of the night. I want to say I gotta ask my mom. I want to say my grandparents might have been home it was when i lived with my mom and my grandma grandpa and yeah they they stole my grandpa's shotguns and after Ooh. that i i had a repeated nightmare that i was across the street of my friend's house and i and i saw my mom getting out of her car across the street and starting to walk up the stairs and i jumped down and started to run trying to yell to her just don't go in the house there's people in there there's bad guys in there and i couldn't talk oh nothing would come out of my mouth which is probably just like sleep paralysis i think you have that dream a lot i know you're I always yelling stuff but that's how how much it affects you if, if you're robbed when you're like little or yeah shit it takes away your it takes away your feeling of that beats my story security of not being robbed of my mom. Just, just, just threatening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait till you hear this thing that didn't happen. <laughs> right? Top that. Yes. I know. That's like one person saying, you know, my mom used to always say she'd give us up if we weren't, wouldn't stop being so bad. And then the other person says, you know, my, oh, thanks. My mom did give me my up. My mom did give me up for adoption when I was 12. My mom gave me up. She took, left <laughs> me at the firehouse. Thanks. <laughs> Well, this was good. This was fun. You guys were fun to have on here. Did you guys have fun? Yeah. So much fun. Thanks for having us. <laughs> oh, Are you guys it, mad or offended or anything? No, it's cool to see your setup. To see like, how you guys record it. Are mad or offended or anything? About what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You well, are you guys, are you trying, are you trying to like, uh, is this like a. We were trying to meet you, you guys. Me? Yeah. We were trying Where to meet like, you. Uh, sure. You're just like, we prefer are you guys so steamed? Are you guys just just yeah. miffed? <laughs> I'm gonna keep, cry. Have to keep... Yeah. <laughs> no, we had fun. We were just saying because we had to take a break, and the listeners won't even oh. know there was a break. It'll be seamless with my editing. No, I turned of course. my I turned my ringer on and I took a little nap. Yeah, and then he didn't wake up. Nice. When, he, when the ringer went off. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. I am. That's you're, good. That's what perfect. What you're seeing and hearing now, hearing now is me at my freshest. Really refreshed. <laughs> <laughs> 
be like a summer's eve. You're uh, so fresh. Yeah. How I'd have to work in a part where I say, no, time for a break. Um, yeah, if you got also, yeah, okay. Well, this was great. Thank you guys for being here. Before we, I was going to just jump into small talk, but I figure like, yeah, you know, we can end the episode and right. then we can talk to them not right. on audio. Um, but thank you guys for being here, Ryan and Chris. Let's hear it for Ryan and Chris from the music video podcast. Yay. That is well, the name of our show. Yeah, you can find it yay, on iTunes thank you guys. or Spotify oh. or the places that you find American all Timelines. The, all of the places. Yeah, it's, yeah, if it's you know everywhere. If you to listen to this podcast, you can figure out how to listen to that one. Yeah. And I, I meant to mention same. this earlier when we introduced you guys, and I think I think I forgot to say it, or if I maybe I said it. Anyway, if I didn't, I like listening to their podcast with a computer in front of me so I can watch the video while they talk yes. about it. Because it makes it way more. That's like, definitely the way like to do it. It's like my fantasy of how people would do it, but I think you're the only yeah, one. Yeah, that's that is. <laughs> uh, like, really oh man, credit, I love doing that. I appreciate it. In fact, the Mariah Car- the first episode I think was Mariah Carey. Wasn't that was it? the the most involved. That's the most that's homework. Correct. Yeah. yeah, it was like <laughs> of course. Real, yeah. So I think I, I think I listened to that one twice because I listened to it in my car and I was like. I got to watch these videos. And then I was watching them, and I couldn't remember what you said, so I watched, listened to it all over yeah. again. Uh, well, it was great. It's very great. It's like picture pages, well, we'll eventually, which we can't mention anymore. We'll eventually have yeah. you guys on. Uh, you, you each have a specialty that I know of, so we'll, <laughs> we'll circle back for sure. Oh, that would yes. be fun. Yes, we would love to be on. So thank you guys for being here. This is episode 100 and something of American Time. It's our first episode of our new season. That's right. Uh, tweet us at History for Jerks. Um, hit us up on Instagram. Give us all your hate mail. Um, even you, Brent Nelson, who hates us. Five stars. Uh, yeah, give us a hundred stars on everything or whatever. I don't think yeah, I don't think iTunes. You have to do that anymore. Maybe you do. If you, yeah, if they give you the maximum rating, then it's easier to find you. I think. Oh, is that right? I think that's. I think that's why it's good. That's why I want people to do it. But I was hearing like Spotify might be the. I don't know. It seems like it's competing now. They're buying a bunch of people. Who knows? I don't know. Whatever. Listen to us wherever you want. Thank you for listening. Uh, take care, everyone. Time to get out of here, Chuck. Ryan, Ryan Chris, do you want to say anything? Um, follow us on Music Video Podcast, at Music Video Pod. Uh, on Instagram. On on the Instagrams. Uh, yeah. That's all I got. And Lincoln, what, uh, where, lo- where, uh, Logan, wear your masks. Improv? Wear your mask, please. Wear your mask, oh, yes. please. We would like to perform again in this lifetime somewhere. Uh, oh, my God. Drink eight glasses of water a day. The human body is 100% water. Over 100. <laughs> so, time to get out of here, Chuck Berry. Time to get out of here, Chuck Berry. Thank you, guys. All right. American Timelines is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Let these ladies uh, buy a, vib- a vibrator and get a job.